0: Garrison price for monday december 11th 2023 coming to you from the gogo sports studio built by Herber Lee here at the iconic wall center downtown vancouver and if you're heading downtown for a game or for an event this week look Weather not so nice of course can't be drinking and driving Make it a staycation. Call the Wall Center, 604-331-1000. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price. Grace Sass hitting switches, conducting things in this show. A presentation of Applewood Auto Group.
1: Applewood Nissan in Langley is your place to go to get a fabulous deal on the 2023 Rogue financing from 3.99%. Or you need something a tad smaller, a little bit more economical. How about the Qashqai in
0: rates there from 4.49%. It's all at Applewood Nissan in Langley. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today. Is it time to trade Andre Kuzmenko? Yes or no? You can vote at Securisome Price on Twitter or YouTube. This coming off a 4-3 victory against the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday. We'll get to Kuzmenko in a second. But the Vancouver Canucks close out the game. Elias Pettersson, I saw you tweet, he's back, baby. Three points, game-winning goal, two primary assists, played nearly 20 minutes, all the points at even strength, drew a penalty, blocked two shots. And they needed him because it was another quiet game from Quinn Hughes' who's Boy, he's gone a little quiet just as uh, Pedersen breaking out. And, of course, Miller's been the standard there. But what the Canucks did to the Hurricanes is mighty impressive. This was a Carolina team that came into the game leading the NHL in shots per contest. Nearly 35 per That's an extraordinary total. Yeah, it is. Leading the NHL in shot share, 60%. I mean, the It's pretty good getting 60% of the shots on any nightly and shot differential plus 10. And yet Vancouver allows just four even strength shots through two periods, just two shots in the final seven minutes as the hurricanes are battling back. They outshot the hurricanes 10-1 in the first period. Five on five. And even the fourth line, including the aforementioned Andre Kuzmenko, they'll shoot the Hurricanes 5-0 on the
1: evening. I think you have to look at their uh, scoring for the season. Carolina, I think their leading scorer had 22 points, has 22 points on the season. That tells you that this team get shots they're but, a shoot from everywhere team but they're not shooting from the right yeah. places That they, they
0: shoot from everywhere yeah. get pucks on net and see if we can whack home rebounds yeah i mean it's
1: unbelievable to see a team that's that low scoring that has that many that much shot share so you know there's something wrong there and they just uh, i mean that was actually a, a lot of goals for them to get three on the vancouver canucks
0: and the Canucks now 15-0, perfect when leading after two periods this season. We also know they've gotten the game's first goal, the line share of the time. So um, those metrics continue, which are terrific. And in fact, uh, Carolina is so disappointed about this loss in an 0-4 Western Canadian road trip. They had the players-only meeting. And a long one, 15 to 20 minutes mm-hmm. apparently. Keeping Rob Brendamore out. JT Miller on the score sheet again, and that ties Tony Tanti in 83-84 for the fastest Canuck to 40 points. 28 games it took Miller. And there that there was that terrific shot of him collaborating with Rick Tockett on the bench Grabbing on the iPod. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I but but Talkett talked about how he takes input for players and wants it to be collaborative, so it was great to see a visual representation in-game on the bench between a guy who clearly has some opinions in J.T. Miller and a head coach who's willing to indulge him right there in the heat of the battle. Kind of reminds me of what Bill Belichick used to always say, halftime adjustments. If you're waiting for halftime to make the adjustment you've already lost, well done on Coach Tockett. You know, he's uh, been brought in. People wondered, is he the J.T.
1: Miller whisperer? Folks, he looks like the J.T. Miller whisperer. Uh, the performance on the ice, um, the the lack of flare-ups. There's clearly a better communication, not only between J.T. Miller and the coaching staff, but I think J.T. Miller and his teammates seems to be a lot more copacetic. I just love the body language and the emotion that J.T. Miller is showing out there. It just seems a lot more calm, cool, and collected. Not to the point of, have you lost something with the player? I still think you see the fire. It's just the appropriate fire right. from J.T. Miller. Right. It's what we all talked about last year at this time. Now, now. D- despite that, <laughs> J.T. Miller's been having a great the, the, – the guys they face tomorrow, do you see what Kucherov's doing? He has a
0: seven-point lead on the Art Ross Trophy. He is going off here. <laughs> it's crazy. Seven points. Did you see him stick it to – was it the fan in Calgary after he scored Seattle. the game
2: winner? Seattle poor guy and his girlfriend. Right. And then Hagel came in and stared them down too.
0: Exactly. What they must have said at some point during the game. Now, there are some other metrics with the Vancouver Canucks that suggest, hey, things are going swimmingly well and there may well be some more Regression at play here. I saw Jay Fresh Hockey with a series of tweets about expected goals. So goals saved above expected. Thatcher Demko is still fifth in the NHL, 9.8. So you're still getting that terrific goaltending out of Thatcher Demko. Uh, other goal differential above expected is the big one. Canucks plus 24.4. That is way out in front there of Detroit, who's in second place. And five on five expected goals per 60. Vancouver 12th at, at 2.37. So they're still burying chances. They're still getting terrific saves. That has also been part of the Vancouver Canucks. Narrative as we round the first third of the season, twenty-seven games in the books now, heading to that middle third of the NHL calendar. I, I when I th- I think when you have a top-flight goaltender as the Canucks do,
1: they have one of the top five goalies in the league. Uh, to me, goaltending above expected is less a luck thing. To me, yep. You know, we, we a goalies a, a very special, unique position. We've talked about this before. And I think that when you got a guy who's as good as Thatcher Demko is,
0: he is going to make the
1: saves above expected. So, uh,
0: I, I'm More with, so than a goal score. And I'm with you they're fifth and team goal tending at plus nine. So Casey DeSmith has effectively uh, helped them station from yeah. the great numbers that Thatcher Demko has, brought, has uh, put up. But let me ask you this. Does it not stand the reason that the same logic applies to finishing when you have good... Offensive players.
1: And and I th- I've i thought about that uh, as well, and I, I think the answer is...
0: Just because it's it, a smaller percentage, not as much? It, it's harder to score. Yep. It's harder to score. You're going to miss 80, 90% of the time.
1: Yeah, right? and, and so luck does play into it, the redirects and all that sort of thing. I think it's easier for a goalie to react to redirects mm-hmm. than it is for a goal scorer to depend on them. You know, so I to me there's just a there's an inequity, and I don't know how you can. Com- this yeah. is just a, a gut feeling. This isn't a I don't know how quantifiable that is, but to me that that's the way that I see it. And and not not if you've got Philip Grubauer in that. this logic doesn't apply. Philip Grubauer's at nine. I'm not trusting that. I'm not believing that that is going to be
0: the real thing. But then you get into. Who do you trust? Who do you don't?
1: <laughs> right, and I think it's just imp- empirical evidence. So you've you've seen enough from this goaltender
0: to believe so that's then, just him. So then, effectively, what you're saying is traditional stats over a long period of time. Yeah, separate the. Yeah. Ones you can trust from the ones he counting
1: can. stats are helpful.
0: It's not all about underlying stats. Counting
1: uh, stats well, are very instructive no, when you've got another of, of them. the
0: goaltender main stats are ratio stats, right? And goals against average. And, and you 8%. know what? I, I guess I should say this. If you're talking about the top five, and
1: I, I just talked about the top five goalies, if you're talking about the top five shooters, Matt, I think the logic probably mm-hmm. does still apply. You know, like if, if, if oh, you know, Ovechkin in his prime was that blah, blah, blah clip. Yeah, I'd probably believe that that's just what he is. You know, I, it probably does affect. But, it, you know, in terms of the percentage of of goal scores that I think that that would apply to, it would be a smaller percentage of players than it is for goalies.
0: Alex Ovechkin. I'm just going to simple check in here. Mm. Alex Ovechkin, career shooting percentage. Which, incidentally, is at 5.6 this year, the lowest of his career by a country mile. Yes, yeah. What would you think it is?
1: Uh, Career, 21%.
0: No. 12.8. It is that low, huh? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Volume Volume shooter. He has actually never crested 15.4 in a single season. But he is routinely above 10. Yeah. In fact, he's got only one season below 10. 8.7 8.7 in 2010-11. And this year the way it's tracking. What, what website are you on? Ever, this is hockeyreference.com. I would be curious to know who do you need to know? Okay, I
1: am right just, just like who's 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 got the best career shooting percentage over like a large sample size? Like the like a 10-year sh- sample size. I'm going to guess Brett Hall was like Ovechkin, oh. a a volume shooter. I know Stamkos is up there. Stamko,
0: I'm just looking at Stamkos, 16.7 for his career. That's I mean, that,
1: that's extraordinarily high considering the average has generally been 7 double to 9. Double digits
0: every single yeah. year for Stamkos, as high as 20.2 in 13-14. And the low for Stamkos, 12.7 in 17-18. So he skins the cat a little differently there. He takes more precise, efficient shots than O V, who just takes a ton of them.
1: Uh, Brett Hall, by the way, over his career is fifteen point two.
2: You is, know who's number one? Uh, who is it? Craig Simpson, twenty three point seven.
0: That's because Craig Simpson. If you ta- if if you measured the length of every Craig Simpson goal. And put them side by side. Right. You right. may get to 200 feet. <laughs> Craig Simpson and some of the net front guys of yours, Tim Kerr of the Philadelphia Flyers, and the let's guy face- was always in the slot scoring goals. Let's face it, on on
1: uh, the 80s are going to skew this a lot. This is, comes on a day which uh, a, a viral clip of Dave a, a, a viral clip of a 12-9 Oilers win is going around today. Um, mm-hmm. it, people are marveling that you could lose a game after scoring nine goals. Gretzky had seven assists. And on one of the, and I saw Jeff Patterson say, the goalie ended up in the corner. Of course, you're scoring 12 that night. And the goaltending was a
0: different beast back then. Um, Yari Curry, 19.1%. Yeah. On the poll question, is it time to trade Andre Kuzmenko? I voted no. Uh, Look, things aren't tracking well here between himself and the coach. Speaking of shooting percentage, darlings. Yeah. (laughs) Last year. Hardly 27 now, is it? But here's my logic. You have a cushion to the playoffs. Although Edmonton's won seven in a row here, but you still got a cushion to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Still way back. It was a player who had chemistry with your franchise centerman last year. You've got time. Use it. Don't sell low right now, see about rehabilitating the player if you get between now and the trade deadline and things still haven't turned around for Andre Kuzmenko, and that may well have devalued him as an asset a little bit, but that's something that I would be willing to risk because here's the thing, Blake, at the end of the day, what are your two big needs here? A top four right shot defenseman and another top six forward to finish. He could be that second piece if he gets his game back together. So I'm no on the poll question for now. Um,
1: I mean, the I would say yes if you get all of the salary gone, and I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think anybody's going to take all yeah, of that. Five on. and a half is a little much. So if you're not doing that, then I would support rehabilitation as well. I'd have to know the trade because you know if you get back, a, you know, another option on right shot. Uh, you don't get to know the trade, Blake. Uh, yeah, I know.
0: You don't get to know the trade. I, well, that is the poll question. Too. You don't get to know the trade. I, I know. So, so you, you're voting yes or you're voting no? I'm voting no. Now is not the time. Right. No.
1: Because it, it would need to be a pretty perfect trade for me. So,
0: now We're asking because Elliot Freeman on Hockey Night in Canada reporting that teams are calling Vancouver asking what the plans are for a Kuzmanco. But now this wrinkle, and you do wonder whether this will play into plans for Kuzmenko. It sounds very much, Rick Dollywell has reported the Canucks are out on Ethan Bear. Friedman has said Washington is a team to look at here. Uh, look, the Canucks have a cap matter this year and then term. And this is the question I asked you on Bear some time ago. Would you be afraid of term for Ethan Bear? And frankly, there's a line of thought that Bear shouldn't want term, just go out, have a good half season. And then wait until the salary cap increases in the summer and maybe you get more money. But it does sound like Washington and or others are willing to go to two plus years on Ethan Bear. So if your your fix or your hoped for fix on the right side of defense, Ethan Bear is not going to come to bear. No pun intended. Does that Accelerate an Andre Kuzmenko trade plan. What do you think? Um, in what sense? Like the, the well, they you know, use... you're not going to be able just to sign a street free agent to play the right side. So maybe now you have to make a trade to right. Um, it, perhaps again, it, it really depends
1: on 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 what if it's a straight one for one trade. I don't think you're getting much back. You're not getting a defenseman back. I think that you. Can slide into a top four spot for a
0: struggling Kuzmenko. You don't think so? I don't, you don't think, think so. People will buy thirty nine goals from last year, saying we can.
1: Uh, I think they right now they probably say that screams outlier to me. But take three million back, and we'll talk about it. I, you know, free. You know, no, that's, uh, the 50, yeah. that's the start. More than fifty. That's the start. Two be two seven five would be the. Um, I think it's just it's a bit of a hope and a prayer. That's why I think if you can, if you can maybe it's two separate transactions. Maybe you effectively have to give away Kuzmenko just to get rid what? of the, to what get t- just to get rid of the cap space. Oh, I ain't
0: giving away shit, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving away a guy who scored 39 goals last year, Blake. I realize he struggled this year. It's a small sample in comparison to last year. It's a third.
1: I would bet that the offers. What's that they he got? Get-
0: four goals. Yes. So he's got 43 goals. In about 100 games. Is that about right? That's not the way they view it, though. You know Or 110 I mean. games. I would bet the
1: offers that they would be uh, getting, the, the tire-kicking offers are probably oh, not very I don't, good.
0: I don't doubt you've got poaching Predators. He's got 43 goals in on 106 games. 89 points. I, I don't dispute that you're going to get some poachers here, some Predators who think you're stuck. You don't accept those deals. You wait till someone comes with something fair for a right-shot defenseman. I mean, he's not untradable. Let's make it abundantly no, clear. No, but
1: no, i But I just don't think that you necessarily give up here
0: yeah. as well. Again, I would much rather wait, even if it means a diminished asset, than seller low right now. If I'm making a mistake with Kuzmenko, it's that I'm taking a little bit less at the deadline than now to see if the next two months can fix him. I'd much rather live with myself making that mistake than giving him away for to a predatory offer right now. Lastly, Pius Suter is back practicing. Talkit says he wants to see three or four practices out of Suter before putting him back in the game. He practiced Friday. He was a part of that optional practice Sunday, so... Who knows? Maybe Thursday against Florida, maybe Saturday against the Minnesota Wild.
1: Yeah, Jacob Varana's on the trade block for the Blues. Kuzmenko for Verana. No. You, you
0: get cap space, 2.6. What's, what's Verana doing this year? Uh, not a heck of a much. Uh, no. Two
1: goals, four assists in 19 games. No. And he's had
2: some trouble off the ice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, 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 not
0: nope. going. How much on the contract? Uh, just just this year at 2-6. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. You're up from under. I go back to the poll we asked last week and what we talked about last year in the lead up to the deadline. What could you have got for Kuzmenko then? Hmm. On to football. I'll, I'll give the Seahawks credit. They were very game, they were very scrappy against a very good team with a and with their backup quarterback under center in a very difficult place to play. That they were in this game as long as they were in this game with Drew Locke, and especially how quickly San Francisco goes down the field and scores the opening drive. And, and you know, that's part of the Pete Carroll program competed everything right and and there's a part of me that when i was watching the game last night i think you give pete carroll almost anybody at quarterback and he's going to give you a pretty competitive season frankly i think the seahawks are probably a baseline worst case scenario six seven win team every year regardless of who's at quarterback so long as pete carroll and that staff are there but they're not of san francisco's level and that became crystal clear here in these two games Gino Smith unable to go after testing it out pregame with a groin injury. But, again, I'm not even sure you're that much worse off with Drew Locke. At least not this year. Gino was magnificent last year. He hasn't been this year. And then zero running game, even with Kenneth Walker back. It
1: was just – there was nothing there. Um, it – it's amazing they've been as competitive as they are. Really Thanksgiving is the only uh kind of embarrassing game that I can think of against the uh, in this tough stretches of schedule. Now they should have beaten the Rams for Frustrating instance. Frustrating losses. Frustrating yes, losses
0: but in games.
1: Yeah, but in games. Yeah. Um so the, you know in, in some ways, it feels like they're so close, just a player or two away. It's just that the, yep. the, the player that they are away might be the most important well, player. Well, that's it. That's it. And then they might need some help
0: to clear up a run. Everybody game. who said their ceiling is Geno Smith's ceiling is 100% right. If they had a dominance defense... It might be a different matter if they, had, if the they best... had a dominant running game. It might
1: be a different. matter. If they had matter. the best offensive line, I, I think I think Walker's fine. If they had the yeah, best oh, offense, I think if they had the best offensive line in the game, mm-hmm. they probably can overcome a lot more yeah, too. And,
0: and Walker and Charbonnet, they run hard. Yeah. They worm your heart. But yeah, the w- w- the Bill Parcells line, you are what your record is, and, and and this is what the Seahawks are.
1: Okay, so now we're at the point. Should they lose out? Is it time for— Canucks fans, you've been down this road. Is it time for Tank Nation here?
0: Hmm. To me, that's just not part of Pete Carroll's it's not, program. It's not. But That would they- be a violation of everything that Pete stands for. Okay, but should should Seahawks fans be hoping for it? Well, here's the thing. Even losing out, I'm not sure that gets you one of the top two quarterbacks. So, I- Six wins is too many, for yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at Caroline. So look at New England. It puts you within arm's reach, though. Yeah. It, much like last year when you had fifth overall, it puts you in a position where you could justify trading up to take one of the top. Let me ask you this.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you use DK Metcalf as trade fodder, or well, do you need DK Metcalf as a target for said so quarterback? Here's, and
0: it is a little bit of a catch-22. Yes. Yes. You know me with receivers. Uh, I think they're a little overvalued. Give me the great quarterback, and he's going to make an average receiver look good.
1: But look at what's happening to KC. Look
0: at what's happening to KC. No question. No question. Now, DK is a superior talent. I mean, you take a look at that slant that he takes to the house. Is it still the fastest running play in the NFL? I mean, he is... Engineers to be a wide receiver yeah. in the NHL. Yeah, But if trading Metcalf helps me fix the quarterback position, then I'll take my chances with Smith and Jigba, Lockett, and whomever else I get to be the third receiver. Yes. If it fixes quarterback. Yeah. Not hope that. The other thing that's coming to pass here, Blake, and 12s I ain't going to want to hear it. Did Denver win the Russell Wilson trade? Or at least are they clawing back towards fair trade on the Russell Wilson deal? I'm uh I'm going to withhold my answer cuz they get another win yesterday, Sunday, and they get another division win <laughs> and lo and behold and it's a very competitive AFC. Yeah, their schedule's pretty easy, too. But lo and behold, seven and six Denver is one game off the division lead with Kansas City. And right there in the thick of the playoffs.
1: They got under. a tough one next, and then they coast to the finish line after they face the Lions, which is a tough one. Mm-hmm. They've got the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Raiders.
0: Raiders. I know. I was looking at that yesterday. Denver should be ten and seven. Yeah, yeah, they should be ten and seven. And at ten and seven,
1: Matt, the Broncos that I mean, probably gets you in. And, and, we, and from a Broncos standpoint, has it been worthwhile at that point? If he if he guides that cro- that core, I mean, last to, year
0: was unmitigated disaster. Yeah, but now you're looking more and more like you can blame that on a head coach who wasn't ready and was yeah. rightfully fired. It looked super ugly at the beginning of the year, giving up seventy points, and Sean Payton blaming the players without shouldering blame. Were they zero and three to start too? Does that, does that sound but, familiar? But at this stage of the game, and they, I mean, it wasn't the total sell off that some were anticipating from Denver. Remember, we were hearing about the receivers and everybody who may be traded at the deadline 0 oh 3. They lost <laughs> 70 to 20. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. That was the capper. Yeah. And they lost well, to the and 1 and too. 4 2. I mean, they came back, they beat the Bears, and they lost to the Jets. They lost at home to the Jets, Blake.
1: They lost to the Jets and the Raiders in the opening five weeks of the season. They were 1-5. Matt, those are two yeah. tap-in wins right now. Oh, I know. They could They could have been a 12-win team.
0: Holy cats. Uh, just getting back to the NFC, I mean, Dallas has served notice here. Destroy Philadelphia last night. Eagles cannot win at Jerry's World. I mean, Dallas and San Francisco, one yep. of, if not the classic NFC championship game rivalry with different forays in the 70s, 80s, 90s between those two franchises, and here we are again. How easy does Debo Samuel make things look? Oh, yeah. He does
1: whatever it's he hell wants. I
0: love him. Receiver, running back, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just give me the ball.
1: To see the guy with that profile of body just oh. bolting past yeah.
0: DBs, <laughs> like yep. it's so bizarre. Uh, the one bit of good news the Seahawks did get is the Rams lose, and what a football game that was. We're going to get to the downside of the NFL weekend here in a second. But 37-31, Baltimore in overtime with a punt return to win it. The second walk-off punt return of the season. Jets beat the Bills on the first Monday night game. Frankly, I thought there was a clip that went uncalled. I thought the Rams had a gripe. I did not think Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Brittany Mahomes, Taylor Swift, and the Kansas City Chiefs in their kingdom had a gripe. The only thing embarrassing about that offside call on Kadarius Toney is that Andy Reid would whine about it to the degree he did. That's a veteran respected on his way to the Hall of Fame head coach. And he's complaining that he didn't get a warning? That's typically a courtesy. That's typically a courtesy when a receiver asks if he's lined up appropriately or not. And Reed has said today now, I'm going to tell him to ask going forward, and it's his fault for not asking. Well, and Patrick Mahomes carrying on as he did on the sidelines and in the presser after the fact that he hopes that play gets on Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame reel. First of all, I mean, beautiful throwback lateral, but the player was clearly offside. The NFL senior VP of, of officiating, you noted clearly offside. Gene Steratore on the CBS broadcast, the former official and and rules analyst, said he's not just in the neutral zone; he may be beyond the neutral zone. If it's, it's just, a black and white rule on offside, I think the fact that
1: it was a wacky play, it, it was gasoline on the fire. Like if it's just a post pattern and he it's complete well, and it's a touchdown, I think I think there's less. Um, also, a play to come and back
0: and win the game too, yes, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, timing, the creativity of the play, I think it all was the
0: gasoline of the fire. I've never in my life encountered serious football people who believe they need some sort of warning before offsides is called. What is that? Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe Andy Reid when I heard that last night. Incidentally... Two games yesterday, 0-0 at the half. First time that has happened in the NFL in 35 years. The Jets in Houston went to the half 0-0 after what many are calling the immaculate half. (laughs) Houston with six punts, the Jets with five punts before the half expired. But then they put up 36 points in the second half, and poor C.J. Stroud got hurt. 30-6, to the Jets win. Zach Wilson looked pretty good against that Houston team that we love their story. And then Minnesota-Las Vegas, not just nil-nil at the half, but down to the two-minute mark of the fourth quarter where the Vikings get a field goal and win 3-0. Shout-out to two great Securus and Price Listeners. Ms. Kyla Rose of the Pemberton Pub, big Vikings fan, Vikings podcaster, and the legend from Prince George, Miss Aaliyah. They go to Vegas for the weekend to see Kyla's Vikings. They get a 0-0 game through 58 minutes. Unbelievable. Well, at least you had the NBA Cup, ladies. And then Jacksonville, they put work on the lineup or uh, on the active roster, but Trevor, Trevor Lawrence played. ended
1: up playing. like it, He wasn't even one injury away. He was back to two and injuries away. compromised
0: a little bit in what I saw. And speaking of coaching uh, and football, BC Lions bringing back the entirety of their staff. Great to see stability in the Canadian Football League, especially with staffs. It's been uh, difficult, especially with this ridiculous staff cap that they have. Our buddy Ryan Phillips promoted to assistant head coach alongside Rick Campbell after doing such a An extraordinary job with that defense as defensive coordinator. Lastly, Blake, we have the Northern Star Award. This is formerly the Lou Marsh for Canadian Athlete of the Year. Shea Gilgis Alexander, guard with the Oklahoma City Thunder, wins it. He not only had a coming out party in the NBA where he was hanging with the best of the best, statistically, but averaged more than 24 points and six rebounds for Canada at the FIBA World Cup as the Canadians qualified for the Olympics in Paris in 2024. He beat out Abbotsford's Nick Taylor, who obviously had an iconic win at the RBC Canadian Open. Swimmer Summer McIntosh, and she won two golds and two bronze at the World Aquatics Championships. So pretty good field. I think if Taylor gets one more PGA Tour win, he probably has it. Has a better case anyway. I think he gets two wins. He's pretty Toronto
1: focused there. Although at least he had the the well, he uh, wanted in Toronto. He wanted in Toronto at least. So <laughs> they got to experience it. But uh, I got no problem with Shea Gilders Alexander. I it's, no the only the only Connor McDavid a finalist too. The only uh, NBA player that's ever made me think we might have the best player on the planet right now is Steve Nash at, at, at times. Mm-hmm. Shea Gilders Alexander. I mean, he gives me. Allen Iverson vibes. He makes me feel like he could do anything at any moment. It's a uh,
0: very difficult mantle to claim or even get into the discussion on best NBA player. I yeah, mean, yeah, that it is, is best it's... basketball player. That is a that is a hell of an order. But I think he met it, it, his best. He's a he's a top five talent. Yeah, baby. I think he's a top five player in the league now. Especially when you look at what he does, you know, he does it at the point guard spot. Like he makes others better on top of being an elite scorer. Yeah. So a lot of great things. And really, he's got a lot of runway here, too. Some of these guys at the top may not last as long as Gilgis Alexander. How old is, is. he? He's got to be. I mean, mid 20s at most. No, I don't even think he's that. Uh, because uh, of course came out after the one year at Kentucky 25. yeah
1: yeah 25 and he's playing the whole year as a 25 oh, yeah, year yeah, old yeah.
0: holy cats he's young NBA players are always way younger than you think. because yeah, they've been, been in the around league since 19 yeah. 20 years old let's get to today's menu it's brought to you by Greta Greta great spot to catch the game throughout the season also a fantastic place pre-game and post game make it a game night at Greta on West Cordova we'll talk to J-Pat here in a second go over the game. The poll question, Ethan Baer, the week ahead. Uh, Quinn Hughes, Pia Suter, Elias Patterson, Phil Giuseppe, lots featured there. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including some sad news on the weekend on a couple of fronts when it comes to cancer. To the people we go, never a bad time to send us a hot take and tell me I'm wrong. You can text 778-402-9680, the Great Clips text message inbox, email live at Price. Dot com, all and we'll talk Otani and the near miss with Toronto. So, Garrison Price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags for the best and worst of twitter.com. And I think we were all way late on Saturday when we saw this tweet from Joey Kenward at Kenward's Corner. After doing my best to let my family, loved ones, and those closest to me know first, I'm sharing the news that I've recently been diagnosed with leukemia. Joey says he got the um, diagnosis November 24th. He has been at Vancouver General Hospital undergoing treatment since then, Uh, expressed a lot of gratitude to all the medical care and those who have been taking good care of him since the end of last month. He says, I recently turned 46. I've been healthy and showed no signs of anything being abnormal outside of a few days prior to the diagnosis. There's nothing more I want out of life. And being a loving partner and parent and being a hard worker, if I had two messages for anyone reading this, it would be to get your blood tested even just once a year. And don't take anything for granted when it comes to your health. I'll do my best to keep you posted on how things go. Thanks for taking the time to read this. Wishing you all the best. And we certainly return that sentiment sentiment to Joey, who we've known for years and years and years, as well as his partner and his two-year-old son and the entire Kenward family. Which That's leads, battles.
1: which leads to um, the terrible weekend that it was at mm-hmm. Tony Granato. I debated how to share this news, but it will be taking a temporary leave of absence from NBC Sports Chicago and the Blackhawks broadcast, as well as NHL Network. I was recently diagnosed with a form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and will begin treatment this week. I wish I could reach out to everyone individually, but felt like this was the best way to share the news. My family, faith, and friends will be my strength to help me through my treatments. I appreciate all the love and support I have received already. The holiday season here. Cherish the times with your loved ones, as I know I will. Uh, Ray Ferraros uh, tweeted subsequently as well, w- wishing his brother-in-law uh, the best in, in his recovery and cheering him on. And, uh, of course, can be the same. So our thoughts go out to uh, the Ferraros, the mm-hmm. Granados, uh, and everybody in that corner as well. Yeah. So not a great weekend in terms of uh, no. the cancer news. So best of luck to everybody on in all those cases.
0: Uh Two big hockey fans there, Joey and Tony. They may well have caught this news at Gino Gino Hard underscore. 14-year-old Jackson Jacobson scored two goals in his WHL debut. He's the youngest player to ever suit up for the Brandon Wheat Kings. He turns 15 years old today, called up at 14, scored a pair of goals he's got 34 points in 12 games playing u18 triple a in brandon boy you don't hear a lot about that in the whl huh 14 and 15 year olds coming on up and having instant success the good news is
1: jackson is spelled with an x it is as is custom in
0: the prairie hockey way
1: oh is that it oh yeah a lot of W.H.L. Well, prospects. I, I was going to say, you, we,
0: we've seen the surge of Connors. Are you ready for the Jacksons? Yeah, Jacksons with an X. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, pretty unbelievable. Uh, what's his stats? right? Oh, he is small right now.
0: Well, Waiting he's 14; for- he just turned 15. No, I, I know,
1: but there are there are freaks. So I was wondering if he was like no. freakishly huge, and that's why he was having this success. But no, he's just uh, mm-hmm. one of those waterbug well, skill guys.
0: And um, there's a real fascination this year in the WHL because Gavin McKenna, Medicine Hat Tigers winger, 15 years old. He'll turn 16 in a week and a half, but he's got 30 points in 23 games. Playing at 15 years old, for our old friend Willie Desjardins with the Tigers. Yeah, the kids are good these days. Oh my God, are they ever?
2: Cousin of Connor Bedard too. Oh, McKenna is.
0: McKenna. Oh, okay.
2: Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, they're uh, they're growing them good at Andrew Berkshire. Hopefully, they're m- made of titanium because uh, at Andrew Berkshire, not condoning Branson's actions here, but Cousins earned payback with that trash hit earlier. This is what happens when a team plays dirty consistently and gets away with it far too often. Goodbranson's got a hearing today. By the time you listen to this, he may be suspended or fined. Um, but three hits in the numbers on the end boards in the NHL this weekend. Um, you had uh, Kane on Brodeen and then he uh, had Robinson as well um, with the Sabres game as well. Right in the numbers, all of them stereotypical – like, face into boards. Good, Branson's lucky not only that he's not paralyzed, but he's like he just he walked away, was able to play the rest of the game like that. And so, mm-hmm. and it was only a, mi- um, uh, a minor penalty for that. Like, I mean, it is quintessential boarding with mm-hmm. the highest level of risk.
0: David Perron, too, uh, on Anton Zub this weekend. Yeah. It's been... Uh- busy weekend for department of player safety.
1: But I mean th- there needs to be cons there's there was no penalty call on, on um I believe on the um uh on the bro- Kane hit on Brodine. Um hmm. miners here which um so like I mean there's just there's no consistency.
2: Eric Robinson penalty yeah. and then that prompted Ocpozo to call out the league for yeah. its lack of consistency mm-hmm. across the board.
0: Saw that did you also mention uh, Good Branson gave a piece of his mind to the... To the official? No, to the uh, Florida bench. Oh. We well, saw that he, once he... upon a time, right? You're dead. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> Who was
1: it? Matt Martin? Matt Martin for taking down Troy Stetcher. Just vowed
0: he was going to kill him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, you know, as we talk about NFL officiating off the top... I mean, every sport's got it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, how many penalties do you want to call
0: in these very physical games? That's the thing. Mm-hmm. At Brooke Henderson. Well, that was fun. Thanks, Corey Connors, for being an awesome partner. We gave a run, second-place finish for us at the... G- at GT, Grant Thornton Invitational. Hope we can do it again soon. Yeah, the this a is the well, yeah. PGA lpga hybrid event and the... Uh, Canadian duo played uh, very, very well. There's a line in there about putting. Who who putted? <laughs> Two <laughs> exceptional ball strikers on either tour.
1: And they putted well enough to finish second. And finally for me at Whitecaps FC, the gang's all here in Phoenix. Whitecaps co-owner Steve Nash, supporting director Axel Schuster, and head coach Fanny Sertini gathered at the 2023 Adidas MLS College Showcase this past weekend ahead of the MLS Super Draft presented by Adidas on December the 19th. It's uh, getting close to draft week here in Major League Soccer. And Steve Nash, who's uh, tough to find around the Whitecaps, he's not exactly the most visible minority owner in sports history, Uh, but he did make an appearance with uh, the two Whitecaps. Had honchos there and uh, did it in old stomping grounds of Phoenix.
0: I, uh they came right to us down there. Or does Steve live in New York? I don't think he lives in Phoenix anymore. I think it's where New does York. he live? Yeah, then? I think New York. Yeah. Ah, huh. yeah. What um, what pick do the uh, White Caps have this year?
1: I haven't gone down super draft order, uh, okay, just yet. But I mean, they'll be you know middling at best because right because they, they finished
0: all right. Yeah. And uh, lastly, for me. At Robert Lusitich, Tony Finau not commenting on his future sounds like another live golf defection. Finau is facing separate lawsuits from two Utah backers who want their seed money repaid and 20% of his earnings. PJ Tour hemorrhaging can't compete with Saudi cash being forced into a deal. Yeah, If you know the Tony Finau story, comes from a big family. Parents did not have a lot of money to underwrite his golf. Uh, a couple backers there in the Salt Lake City area stepped up, and uh, disappointing to read all this and disappointing to hear that perhaps another player to the Live Golf Tour further diluting the field in the PGA. By the way, uh, no Caps first-round pick ah. traded away. So Ah, yeah. okay. Because they've done reasonably well at the Super Draft. Like, that's the... I, I know a lot of soccer aficionados look down their noses at it because it's college players and how good can they really be if we haven't identified them at 12. But um, you take a look at the contribution that whitecaps have got from super, super draft players, particularly whether on
1: defenders. Parker, uh, and yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Mane at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, Raposo, even. Yeah, yeah. Raposo. Who's been done good. well for them. And that's hashtags for today. the carous price from wall center presentation applewood auto group applewood ford up
1: in port hardy on the island has the f-150 it's just the quintessential pickup built for british columbia and get this get it from 0.99 percent with a 1500 bonus worth the trip to the port applewood
0: ford in port hardy it's all good at applewood Poll question today is the time to trade Andre Kuzmenko. We will put it to our next guest. You can vote yes or no at some Price on Twitter and YouTube. And here he is, Canucks reporter of Rankwide, Mr. Jeff Patterson. Jeff, how are you? How are you doing this morning?
3: I'm good. Still processing back-to-back wins for the Vancouver Canucks, something we well, haven't seen in the better
0: part of a month. And I saw that you wrote about this, Jeff, not just back-to-back wins, because let's face it, they were coming kind of easy in the early part of the season scored a lot of goals against some opponents that just weren't ready to play. These were sort of grind them out more playoff style spring victories for the Canucks. And that's, uh, that's something required along this journey.
3: Yeah. I think there was some real value in that third period against Carolina and really the third period against Minnesota as well. Although they had a bit more of a cushion with the, the two nothing lead through the third period and the two nothing shutout over the wild on Thursday, but you know, it looked like it might be pretty easy against Carolina up to nothing. And then the Hurricanes chipped away. And ultimately, uh, they tie the game early in the third period. Then Elias Pedersen with the wraparound puts them in front. And over those final 17 minutes, the Canucks were pushed. But, you know, they got outshot 10 to three in the third period. And I kind of thought, all right, that's not ideal. You'd like to have the puck more and uh, a few more shots at the other end of the ice. But when you scratch a little bit deeper, Carolina had two shots on goal over the final seven minutes of that hockey game. And really, as I looked through my notes, as we were doing rink on Saturday, like I had nothing in the way of spectacular saves for Thatcher Demko in that third period. Like I thought it was pretty routine that Carolina had a couple of early shots as they pushed to tie the game. They did. And then the Canucks went back in front. And so there was another push from Carolina. But really over the final seven, eight minutes, the Canucks did a nice job keeping them to the outside, you know, making sure that there weren't the high dangers in front of the net. Uh, and then... You know, there were individual performances like Nils Hoaglander diving out in the neutral zone to break up a play and doing some good work along the boards. There was the sequence in the final minute, Dakota Joshua and Tyler Myers, you know, it wasn't pretty at all, but just jammed up against the boards, basically pucking their skates, killed off 20, 25 seconds. Like that's the kind of stuff that will serve them well later in the season. And I love the quote from JT Miller after the game. And I used it in my Canucks Army article where he said like, you know, We expect that there will be more of these games down the stretch. We hope that there are more games uh, the rest of the way. And of course, yeah, I mean, the end result is uh, if there are enough of them and you win enough of them, you will get to the postseason. So I think that, you know, games like these last couple can serve as baselines for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, they know that they were able to get the job done. Could they be a little more effective in the way they go about it? Sure, but uh, there's still a lot of uh, runway ahead of them here. But yeah, I I thought there were sort of value-added beyond just the two points in the standings
1: you couldn't possibly score a tying goal against the lockdown defensive pairing of nikita Zadorov and tyler myers who see, see this one out over the final 74 seconds of the contest i didn't see that in rick Tocket's handbook there that that's the pair that he's going to lead on in a
3: close game i don't know if that's going to be the template Every close game. But again, credit to the coaching staff. They've got the feel for who's going and who's not. And and that is one of the stories to come out of this game the other night is that Quinn Hughes had his second lowest ice time of the season and played two minutes or two shifts rather in the final six minutes of that one goal lead. And so for the Canucks to be able to turn to some others and have them get the job and see it through on a night when Quinn Hughes wasn't going, guys. He turns the puck over on that first Carolina goal. If his name is JT Miller, we're probably still talking about that play three days later and roasting him, but I think he's built himself a little bit of leeway with his performance to this point in the season, but he just wasn't going, and I think the coaching staff recognized that, and and so a credit to them that there will be lots of nights where Quinn Hughes leads the charge, but Saturday wasn't one of them, and so they backed off on him and his ice time and let some others do some of the heavy lifting. And ultimately the Canucks were able to, to secure the victory. So, uh, it's curious to me that here on Monday, it's another day off for the Vancouver Canucks. And I do wonder if some of that is directed at a guy like Quinn Hughes, who kind of quietly here, guys, he has three points in his last six games. Now there are no reasons for alarm bells here, but you just wonder if the heavy workload, uh, the compressed schedule, all of the hockey that he has played, it may be starting to catch up to him because I don't think he's been at his dynamic best, has won multiple point game in the last six. And that was the one the other night against uh, New Jersey when they mounted the, the third period comeback against his brothers. But otherwise a guy that's made scoring and and just playing the game and dominating the game look so effortless. That's kind of disappeared a little bit and gone under the radar here as there've been other storylines and other hot button issues around the Vancouver Canucks. Quinn Hughes will bounce back, but I do wonder if, they recognize that they have taxed him to the point now where he needs the rest. And then the rest of the team obviously uh, benefits from the day off as well.
0: On Friday, I asked you, what do you want to see from Pedersen Saturday night? Well, a three-point effort. You tell me what you liked about PD's game Saturday.
3: Yeah. I don't know if he listened to the entire show or if he just saw the clip that Grady cut and posted to, to socials, whatever the case. Uh, uh, when last we spoke, I said, I wanted to see him a little more assertive. And I think we certainly did, that I mean, that play on the Mikheyev goal in particular, uh, you know, the little shimmy shake on the boards to create a little separation, uh, and that's all he needs. Give him an inch, and he's going to take a mile, and he does that and then delivers that pass, and Mikheyev on the doorstep lifts the stick of Martin Nankash, and, and you know, just a, a nice play, but even on the first goal, you know, crosses the blue line with some speed, a uh, little hesitation there, gets the shot away that deflects off the defender, forces Antti Ranta to kick the rebound out, and Sam Lafferty's there, and then the wraparound. That's uh, new to his arsenal, but we saw it against Anaheim a couple of weeks back and there the other night as well. Uh, yeah, he just he looked a little more invested, and so I hope that this is the start of uh, a new run for Elias Pettersson. Again, it, it kind of felt, uh, you know, little shady, knocking a guy who has been among the NHL scoring leaders all season long, but we know Uh, We've seen this guy play enough to know when he's on his game, and I don't think he was there for the last couple of weeks, but uh, welcome back, Elias Pedersen, and hopefully it's a a long stay uh, with the kind of performance that we saw because uh, there was no doubt he was one of the leaders for the Vancouver Canucks. Just
1: physically able to execute it. It looked like he had tried uh, in in the games previous, and it just wasn't happening. Again, maybe because of something nagging him, we'll maybe never know the truth on that, but the fact that he was able to execute what he wanted – And my goodness, the creativity! I mean, a lot of these plays were sublime plays. I mean, it's just it's great to see him wowing us again, rather than um, you know just getting second assists.
3: Yeah, no, I agree with you. And and you know, Rick Tockett had high praise as well for the work done before the JT Miller goal, uh, where he spends uh, the shift in the offensive zone and then. recognizes that it's time to get off the ice. The work is done. And then Miller comes off the bench down Main Street and good work by Besser and Hoaglander to set him up for, you know, again, a goal that looked like it was going to be a big goal because it made it three to one and extended their lead there. Uh, But Pedersen doesn't figure in the scoring on that play, but he absolutely had his hand or fingerprints on that one as well. So, uh, you know, he talked in the aftermath after the game again about uh, just trying to play with a little more confidence You know, I think there is still a feeling-out process here with Sam Lafferty and Ilya Mikheyev. There've been a few nights. The game in Calgary springs to mind. uh, The other night as well. Uh, where it's gone their way and they've had a tangible takeaway at the end of the night. There've been some other games where there've been some moments along the way that, you know, they haven't, that haven't resulted in goals necessarily, but I do think that he's still trying to figure out and, and develop some chemistry. He's played with Mikheyev for the most part of the season, but Laverty obviously has been uh, a new addition to that line, sort of out of necessity because other pieces haven't been working, but uh, whatever the case, uh, it was all systems go for that line. And uh uh, no question, they were driving the bus against Carolina on Saturday
0: night. Not the quietest night by Kuzmenko standards, um, at least recently. Two shots in ten and a half minutes. Uh, but Elliot Freeman reporting: teams are calling on Andre Kuzmenko, asking what the Canucks' plan is. Our poll question today, Jeff: Is the time to trade Kuzmenko?
3: Yeah, I, I don't get the feel that uh, today necessarily, but you know, this isn't the storyline that feels like it's going away anytime soon. And the Canucks are able to win some games here uh, with him playing lower in the lineup. Uh, What was interesting to me on Saturday was that, you know, his line with Nils Amon and Phil DiGiuseppe, when they played, played all right. The underlying numbers were actually pretty good. And he had that chance in the first period on the power play where he just couldn't will the puck across the line, did everything but put it in. And, you know, maybe that's just an indication of sort of the way things are going for him right now. Uh, I've seen some people though, that, you know, the old, uh, he just needs one. Well, he got one against Vegas not that long ago and then has been as quieter, quieter since. So I'm not necessarily sure that I buy that, oh, he just needs a bounce here. But if you looked at the deployment of the forwards on Saturday that line had one shift over the final 15 minutes. So there are the Canucks. We give them credit for the way that they went about their business down the stretch, preserving the lead and, and ultimately getting out a win. They did it with nine forwards and that's not a surprise. We see NHL coaches shorten their bench all the time. Uh, but Kuzmenko and Di Giuseppe were caught in that A little more surprised about Di Giuseppe. Cause I just thought maybe there'd be a role for him, you know, preserving a lead down the stretch, the wall work and board battles, but boy, his game has completely fallen off the map as well. Uh, as for Kuzmenko, yeah, I, I don't know where it goes. I mean, they're able to win hockey games. He's been replaced by Sam Lafferty, who's doing all the things that Rick Tockett wants from guys that are playing with Elias Pettersson to play with speed, to get in and you know free up some pucks uh, so that we can see Pettersson do his work and, and, and do his thing with the creativity. Uh, as for Kuzmenko, uh, I've seen a lot of noise online. People seem to think that there's a through line here between the struggles in Seattle and the Kraken. Boy, are they in uh, tough times now. Eight straight losses there. They can't score goals right now. And they've got a guy like Adam Larson, who the term matches up. The dollars don't quite, but maybe that's just Canuck fans and their Christmas wish list here thinking uh, that they could turn a Kuzmenko into an Adam Larson. But, you know, that was the beauty of the Anthony Bovillier situation not long ago. I mean, the real uh, trick there was reallocating Anthony Bovillier's cap hit as a winger and a surplus of wingers and turning that into a defender uh, with the addition of Zadorov. So, you know, could they pull that trick off again? I, Yes, so we'll see uh but you know for a team when you look at the roster composition i mean we've been talking about them being a top six forward away and that was with andre kuzmenko playing in the top six uh now that he's down in the bottom uh you know it would just sort of uh, add to the uh the issues around this hockey club i think over the big picture like can they be successful Uh, with Sam Lafferty in your top six, Nils Hoaglander, it's obviously been a nice story here in the short term. Can he keep that up and hold his own so that he maintains his spot with JT Miller and Brock Besser? You know, the thing with Kuzmenko though, guys, he starts the year with Pedersen, the demotion comes and he gets a chance to play with JT Miller and there's just been nothing there. Like if you're Rick Tockett, I think you understand, like you've put this guy in a position to succeed. You've given him opportunities and he's done nothing with it. And as we bump up against Christmas here, he's still sitting on just four goals on the season, so you uh, I'm not you surprised. Not surprised that other that... teams are phoning and calling the Canucks. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? I mean, this is a, a bit of a distressed asset right now. So, uh, to answer the poll question, Matt, I, I would say not yet, not there with the trade, the player. But boy, I'm like everybody else. Like how this situation plays itself out, uh, it's going to be fascinating to to monitor.
1: You mentioned that chance too on the power play. Like if your bottom line is I'm slumping, I'm going to go down to the fourth line, but I'm going to stay on the power play. I'll contribute that way. If he scores there, I don't think he gets promoted, but I I think that Rick Tockett lives with the fact that he's a little bit miscast on the fourth line, but he still helps us out on the power play. I think that was his salvation when he can't cash that in. And that goal goes in a thousand times over last year. um, You know, you really do run out of options of what to do with this guy.
3: Yeah. And, uh, you know, just going back to sort of the roster composition uh, and I don't have a problem with a fourth line guy who plays on your top unit. I mean, right. you no. know, we've seen that before. That was the idea with Sam Gagne when they signed him a couple of years ago that, you know, a veteran player uh, who still had some utility as a power play guy, they didn't really use him that way, but, you know, I, I think they could live with that. And I think Kuzmanko probably could live with that as well. Uh, certainly in the short term. I mean, I, I'm sure he wants to be back as a, a primetime player, but he has to recognize that his performance has dropped here, but You know, I I think everybody in this marriage could get along and and move forward if he was performing on the power play. But even in the power play, like he just kind of seems lost out there where last year he was that guy that was net front tipping and, you know, the tap ins in the blue paint and those goals have evaporated as well. And so, you know, he looks confused and and I, I get it. I mean, you know, everything went his way last year. Uh, things aren't going his way and now he's got a coach that's breathing down his neck and he just he does look confused but putting him in a fourth line role and expecting him to be the guy that's going to you know provide energy and get in on the forecheck he's got two hits on the season like that's not who he is and he's not going to change his stripes at this stage so uh, finding the fit and finding a way to maximize uh, this player in the here and now I think that's the challenge for the Vancouver Canucks but if you trade him. You know what does power play one look like? You've moved Bohorvat off, you know, out of town. You're talking about potentially moving Kuzmenko. You know they don't have a ton of gifted offensive players beyond that, and so I'd be really curious who steps in. And you know they could go to the two defensemen set, but we saw that that wasn't all that effective, and it certainly uh, would take a weapon off the second unit. Uh, if you're moving Philip Ronick up to the top. So maybe that is uh, in the short term what they do. But I do think that's uh, something to consider here is what does, you know because that power play early in the season was an absolute weapon. It's cooled off a little bit too. And I talked about Quinn Hughes. I think that kind of goes hand in hand there. Uh, but what does the power play, the top power play unit ultimately look like if you were to move on from a player like Andre Kuzmenko?
0: I think it has to be Ronick uh, if not Lafferty in that spot, right? Just yeah. say, Sam, you're the full pole replacement for uh, Kuzmenko.
1: This week, this week uh, Jeff, a an underachieving Bolt team. You might be getting them at the right time. They have a negative goal differential. They're barely above 500. They're capable of anything on any given night because they've got Nikita Kucherov, of course. But you might be getting them at the right time. You might be getting the Panthers at the worst possible time. They look like they're uh, loaded for bear. So it's going to be an interesting week for the Canucks. Uh, an opportunity to certainly get a split against uh, two good teams, but uh, it's going to be another test.
3: Yeah. And uh, I mean, the way Nikita Kucherov's going probably worth the price of admission right now. He scored the other night, the overtime winner in Seattle, surged to the NHL lead in goals and has been the point leader. I mean, the star power that's going to be on display. And obviously the storyline is rich with JT Miller, uh, his old team. I mean, he's been back there, uh, probably not, uh, you know, front of mind for him, but uh, uh, you've got JT Miller, so you've got you know the top two scorers in the National Hockey League. You got Besser and Kucherov, top two goal scorers. Victor Hedman's having another really good season. I uh, just played his thousandth game, so you got two of the highest scoring defenders in the National Hockey League. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Steven Stamkos was ill the other night, didn't play in Seattle, but uh, they haven't played since, so hopefully he's healed up and uh, rested and ready to go on Tuesday because so uh, we won't have too many more opportunities uh, as he works his way to the end of his career, and uh, we just don't see him through vancouver very often so always fun when the bolts are here and then thursday with florida and roberto luongo's night i I just think it's gonna be a terrific night but you're right that'll be a challenge for the vancouver canucks and so uh, we'll see what they can do uh drop the opener of the homestand against new jersey but they've done a nice job now of bouncing back and you know we've talked about this guys too with this win one lose one win one lose one ultimately if you pull out of it with consecutive victories like they have all of a sudden they won three of four And they can feel pretty good about themselves. They're picking up ground on just about everybody around them in that uh, mud puddle that is uh, the Western Conference just below the playoff bar. And so, yeah, opportunity knocking here because they got a tough road trip coming up, 4-6 and with back-to-backs and, uh, what is it, seven games, I guess, between now and the the Christmas break. So a fairly compressed schedule again here to take them up to a brief holiday break. But uh, we'll see what they can do. If they can get the win against Tampa – I mean that's securing 3 of the first 4 on home ice and then they really have a chance to put the hammer down uh as Lou takes his spot in the ring of honor on Thursday night.
0: Jeff, I was reading about all the activities they have planned for Thursday with Lou. And it's almost like it's almost like I mean it reads like a number retirement ceremony.
3: I've <laughs> I've seen some people think, like, wouldn't that be the ultimate if like we're well, all, like, I mean, led to the water Blake's here and believe in uh, yeah. But I can tell you that his place is, they, they've got the thing up in the right. ring. It's there right. and it's covered by a banner right now. So I'm not expecting them to go to the lengths of, you know, look up to the rafter, or look up to the banner thing over there. Oh, wait a second. The spotlight's going to, you know, go to the, the rafters. I, how I just, good would I don't that be? That oh,
0: that's Blake's <laughs> hot take from a number of months ago. <laughs> we'll find uh, it. But,
3: I'd be all for it. I mean, it would be incredible theater in the moment, yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, his uh, his plaque and picture are up there already in the ring, just covered uh, by a Canuck-colored uh, banner, so I, I expect that the banner, that banner will drop and reveal Roberto But it's Walco. not equal is
1: what you're pointing out. Well, I like, guess this, this doesn't seem equal.
0: It's almost like they went, oh, this could have been a number retirement ceremony and we know he probably wanted that, was expecting that, so let's open the doors at 5.30. 30. Let's do 10,000 bobblehead giveaway. <laughs> let's do pregame ceremonies and tributes from special guests and ex-teammates. Let's do a ceremonial face-off featuring the goaltenders. And let's do more in-game celebrations as the night goes along. They've really dressed it up with the koutrema here, uh, given that they're not actually retiring the number and just putting him in the, uh, in the ring of honor. I did want to ask you, Jeff, um, just because word has come down, Elliot Freeman on the weekend Rick Dollywall this morning says the Canucks have been told they're out on bear. Don't have the cap space. Don't want to commit the term where do they go. Now, if Ethan bear, isn't an option on the right side of defense.
3: Yeah, I think that's a, a fair question. And uh, I, I'm fascinated to see ultimately how this plays out. And I know that uh, Washington maybe led to, led to believe the capitals are the front runner here, but what is the price ultimately? Like and, you know, there's a risk there for them, for a player coming off a shoulder injury, as there would have been if he had decided uh, to come back to Vancouver. I mean, I, I need to see that this guy is fully healthy and can absorb the punishment that comes along with playing that position in the National Hockey League when you've been off skates uh, for the better part of, of nine months. So, uh, you know, it's going to fair monitoring there. But for the Canucks uh, in the short term, I mean, they've made their, they made their move uh, to get Nikita Zadorov, and he's still fitting in here. Uh, I guess you try to ride this out and get Carson Susie back and see what you look like. But I mean, you know, there's always that if, there's no guarantee that by the time Carson Susie comes back, that somebody else isn't uh, a little bit banged up. So uh, this idea of having, you know, all six of your defenders. Yeah. You want to believe that that's going to happen at some point, but uh, need to see it first. So uh, I I think that they have built themselves a, a cushion that allows them to be patient here that, you know, in years gone by, if they were in that chase pack and, felt like the season was slipping away, maybe a little more desperate to make a move. But I think that uh, they're going to get Pia Suter back here at some point, uh, maybe even before the homestand is out. So they are getting a little bit healthier in that regard. But on the back end, uh, I think they probably ride this out. Uh, You know, perfect world now, guys, I think, is you ride it out, you get Carson Soucy back, you see what your six defensemen look like if you have them, and then it probably gives you enough of a preview that, you can make decisions before the trade deadline. If you felt that you had to go out there and add one more sort of defensive piece, or maybe it allows somebody to emerge down in Abbotsford that uh, warrants an opportunity. Uh, Again, I mean, we're talking about call-ups that are considered depth pieces at this point, but I just, I I think that the the start to the season and the way that, uh, you know, a guy like Philip Hironic has stepped in and stepped up, uh, has now given them the luxury that uh, they don't need to feel any sort of panic here uh, to address. I think Ethan bear would have been a nice ad, uh, but it wasn't an absolute need to have for this hockey club, given the way that they're going.
1: You mentioned Susie's return real quick. Uh, I'm assuming Pew Suter was at the optional yesterday, but no practice on Monday means one less chance for him to get up to speed. I mean, he might skate on his own, I suppose. Um, but do you think Suter versus Tampa or do you think it's Florida?
3: Yeah. And he did take part. Uh, he was one of the guys that uh, opted in out at UBC on Sunday But yeah, I mean, it is kind of curious because Rick Talkin told us on Friday that he felt that he needed to see Suter in three or four practices uh, for him to get back up to speed. And then this team goes about uh, getting a bunch of days off and they haven't had that many practices here on the homestand. So that kind of came to mind when I saw that it was a team day off here on on Monday. I would think Tuesday, the fact that they've won back to back, I probably don't tamper with a, a winning lineup in that regard. And so, yeah, I think Thursday is more likely. And if it doesn't happen on Thursday, then certainly at some point, out he's close, but some point on, on the road trip.
0: Yeah. It's a Saturday uh, in Minnesota. Might be your ticket there. Great stuff, Jeff. Thank you for this. We'll catch up Friday.
3: All right, guys. Thank you.
0: Oh, to the people, to the people. Yes. let's go to those people, shall we? we have to go to the people and miss the people there. It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people we go. And to the people we go, brought to you by our friends at Finning. This segment is indeed
1: improved productivity and efficiency with equipment you can rely on. Go to Finning.com. Check out their extensive inventory of new used and rental equipment to find the solution to meet your unique needs. Need a part? Never been easier with Finning Cat's online service. Invest in the future of your business. Check out the latest at Finning.
0: Com. Start with the inbox today. Brian, tell me I'm wrong. Dumpster fires at the ownership management levels in Ottawa, Columbus clearly demonstrate the need for unity at the top prior to the season. Confirms what I believe kneecapped the Canucks last year. Not just last year, Brian. Many years here. You're not wrong. The top down thing, uh,
1: you know, mm. it's, it's, it's
0: an old cliche. All starts at the top. It's so true. Tell me I'm wrong. If the Buffalo Bills had lost to Kansas City, Sean McDermott would be waking up and getting fired today. Adam, the former bath guy, possible after that speech to the team last week in poor taste about 9-11 hijackers. It's almost like Coach McDermott is losing the plot there. I do wonder, I, I had this thought about Buffalo. Remember Tampa for years was terrific under Tony Dungy. Just couldn't get over the hump in the playoffs and then brought Gruden in and Mm. immediately won that Super Bowl. Just need one new voice maybe. I, I wonder whether that would work they, in Buffalo at they, this stage. They seem a little stale, that's for sure. JC, tell me I'm wrong. In retrospect, the Canucks should have agreed to the qualifying off- offer on Ethan Bear and put him on LTIR to start the season. I half wondered about this. Did they just think the going was going to get better? Did they think there would be more available to them in the summer? Mm-hmm. Um, were they that worried about the injury maybe? Mm-hmm. But I did wonder about that. Basketball, Phil, tell me I'm wrong if Michael Penix played in the SEC, wins the Heisman Trophy, hashtag West Coast bias. Possible, Phil, I'll give you a partial right here, Phil. I think the other problem that Penix had, there was a terrific quarterback down the I-5 in Eugene, Oregon, Bo Nix. So I think those two Pac-12 quarterbacks may have split some of the vote and allowed LSU's Jaden Daniels to come up and, and win it. Also... You know, Penix had some mediocre games. Like, wasn't great against Wazoo. That that final impression wasn't quite as strong as it needed to be. I was, think he's probably right, though. I think he's probably right. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time in a number of years where we've seen the Heisman Trophy go to a player who wasn't amongst the CFP mm-hmm. contenders.
1: Boy, it's an old school uh, inbox. Mm -hmm. Another tell me I'm wrong from Ben and Langley. With the way things are going, it seems better for the Canucks to fall into the second wild card. Is hoping to play the first team in the Central Division instead of L.A. or Vegas better? I don't know. Well, I
0: certainly wouldn't relish the Colorado Avalanche in a playoff series. No,
1: no. Um,
0: But I I think you just... But if the second wild card, I mean...
1: This is the downside of the format, and we've, we've made mm-hmm. fun of the Leafs and the Leaf fans in the past for complaining about it. You know what? Just, you know, the, if you want the easiest uh, matchup in the mm-hmm. first round, guess what? Win the division. That's the reason. That's why right. you want to win the division.
0: Jason from Cloverdale with a hot take. If the NHL goes full streaming, then do an la carte plan where you get to pick one or two teams to watch all their games with local play-by-play teams all season long and includes the All-Star game and playoffs for $10, $20 a month as not everyone wants to spend 300 plus for the all you can eat buffet of center ice of course they want your 300 dollars yeah. jason they don't want to give you the convenient option <laughs> this has been a tactic of cable providers and streamers for some time i mean we shall see i mean it's all theoretical now interesting we got the number the amount of feedback we did on it though yeah you know, I think audiences are very much thinking in these terms now. And, um, like, as we said, it would be a very, very bold move for the NHL. I mean, MLS didn't have a ton to lose. Plus, MLS, when they went to the full streaming with Apple, probably had it in the back of their mind that Lionel Messi was pretty close. I mean, that had been long rumored. I'm sure they spoke with Beckham And the ownership group in Miami and went, you know, what do you think the chances are? Because suddenly if Messi lands here, then you have this great wild soccer playing, great wide soccer playing world of ours in which to draw streamers from.
1: No geo locking at all. Everybody on the planet gets access to MLS with this. Mm -hmm. Actually, there was one country. Do you know what? There was one country. I don't know if they got remedy by the end of the season. There was one country on the planet that for because of rights, one country where you couldn't Buy MLS season pass. Uruguay, I believe. Somebody, a, a Uruguayan player was asked about it. He said, actually, we're the one country where you can't do really? this. Yeah. I don't know if it got remedy by the end of the season, but it was literally the only well, one. out Suarez it. is here. It's got to, we got to get Uruguay
0: yeah. on board. Replies to our post about Otani to the Dodgers. Karm Sumal of Daily Hive. Amazing. Maybe T.O. people now realize... How it's just not on the level of an L.A. yet. Oh, Carm hit it on the head. Don't tell Kevin Gosman this. Boy, he came oh, did at he? the haters' heart. Oh, did he?
2: Yeah. Ricky Romero, too.
0: Yes. Well, and and Blake and Grady and I have all worked there, and we all noticed this. Toronto thinks itself on a level with New York City. They so desperately want to be New York City, right down to the Flatiron Building. Right, Blake? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, they they absolutely do, and it's you know what to visit and stuff like that. It's it's a great, it is a good city. I I think it's a nice city. It it has a lot to offer. It has you know more theater and all that sort of Mm. stuff than we have to offer. It has better uh, variety Mm. of food than we have here. Um, Mm. No, it does. It
0: absolutely it does. does. Entertainment value. Yeah,
1: it has more things, but it's not here. No, No, but for a city
0: that size, it certainly doesn't have the cultural outlay of a New York. But nobody, or does. even in LA. Oh, it does have LA for sure.
2: Most what diverse city in the world? I remember it, it familiar, is the most
0: diverse city. Like over in the half world. the
2: people that live there speak. I mean, more if, than if you s- if
0: you need three little Indias, then yeah, you got it in Toronto. No, oh, but they've got there's a little-, a little India around the corner from me, and it, there's some fantastic Indian restaurants. They're a little there, it, but It's not it, like this city it, lacks in that little, little 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 Portugal.
1: Like oh, they got they got.
0: It's true, they d- have the a little Jamaican Portugal. roots. They, Shout out Mike Benavides. He grew up in Little Portugal. Greek town, huge. Everybody's yeah, got a Greek town. Blake, where's ours? Kits, all of Kits. Oh, stop all it! All of Kits. Having a, per- you're hard pressed to get a bad Greek anything in having Kits. Having a high, slightly higher
1: per capita ra- uh, ratio of Greek restaurants oh, doesn't make you. Have you ever town. gone to
0: Greek Fest? In Kits? Cornwall ain't
1: Danforth. It is not the Danforth.
0: Oh, Both no. of you, please, no. just so wrong. First of all, Toronto if you State- said
1: where's Greek town to anybody in Vancouver, they'd be like, we don't have one. No, they would say kits. No, people they who know would say kits. No, no. A,
0: a kitsite
2: might. No, but
0: Greek people would say kits. No, oh, like
2: I've never. There's once like heard two that. Greek festivals. Never once kits. heard that. No, neither It's never. because Is there it's a taste because you're so
0: provincial <laughs> on the North Shore. You don't ever Port venture Moody. south of downtown. I
2: lived at Sixth and McDonald. What are you talking about? Drove so, down West look, forth every day. To- Toronto. Is there a taste of the Cornwall? City. Taste of the Danforth? There is actually.
0: Oh. There's a Greek fest and then there's Catsalano. Catsalano's not a Greek And festival. then there's Kids Fest. Yeah, but those aren't, those aren't Greek festivals. No, but go and you will find plenty of Greek
1: offerings. Having a couple of food trucks doesn't make you Greek town. Come on.
0: I like taste of the Danforth too. But a few things here. Number one, as Anthony Bourdain once said, and may rest easy. Toronto, it's not a pretty city. No, it's not. They haven't done shit with their waterfront. That's true. In fact, just industrial more and
2: depressing. Yeah, exactly. More buildings.
0: So Sorry, condo- that's not it. That's not-
1: they've added count condos alongside the busiest freeway yeah, in North exactly. America. Like- People live
0: like 10 feet away <laughs> from the gardener. It's the damnedest thing. Yeah. Not a pretty city. Not in the least. I'd say there's two things I miss about it. Number one, the ability to get up on a beautiful summer weekend day and say, huh, I'm going to a Major League Baseball game today. Roof open, chug some beers in the upper deck. Used to be a cheap ticket. Wasn't tracking that way under Otani. Now you can get in for a few bucks
2: upstairs. You can get like $2 tickets against the Rays in like yeah. the middle of May. And then May the or second
0: other. thing is, and Blake fights me on this, but the TTC is pretty good. As public transit no, goes, no, I don't fight don't you on that. In, Especially in comparison to the lack of trains on the entire west side of this community. I think people there gripe about the TTC, and it
1: surprises me because I'm jealous of the no. TTC. Like I didn't they, drive
0: in that city because yeah. it was so convenient to get a, around yeah. on the TTC.
1: Yeah, I think they got better food. But, and do they you got,
0: I, I disagree with oh yeah, better food. Yeah. I think the culinary scene in Vancouver is far superior pound for well, pound. But they don't have enough of it and they've got way better nightlife.
1: Um
2: and I don't do they I don't also use the,
1: I don't use the nightlife, oh, but I like to know that it's there. I like to feel like there's a, a happening vibe there, even though I don't King take part. King Street
2: West kicks Granville's ass <laughs> King United Street
0: West has really built yeah. up, I'll give them that.
2: And anyone that's listening right now will agree with me we've reached our Toronto quota yes, we have. for the day. We'll move on.
0: Gap space, Andy, I feel for Sakaris and all the Blue Jays fans. You guys were done dirty. $700 million for a guy who may not pitch again. If he does, it's doubtfully will for all 10 years. And then he also says, wow, the other sports have a long way to go to catch up. <laughs> they really do. Yeah, I mean, I sort of never, until I saw that Dodger Nation report on Friday, I never allowed myself to believe he was going to sign with the Blue Jays. I thought this absolutely has all the signs. Of a stalking horse and leverage.
2: Not Why, to mention LA, much closer to Japan than Toronto. That's the other thing.
0: YVR Digital, they can have him. No one player is worth that much. It takes a team to win, not an individual. And,
2: you know, LA Angels have been proof positive of that. Except you can argue that he's two players when he's healthy. When he's healthy.
1: Let's with Colin and planning. So glad he
2: isn't in
0: Toronto. We can now hear the end of this. He is going to get booed so loud and really kind of a shame because he seems to have carried himself with class and dignity through all of this. That all said, I don't know the first thing about Otani.
1: No, do you know anything he, about him? No, like and, what and makes and him tick? I, like, saw, when- I saw uh, Mina Kimes talking about this in that. You know, like he refused to even. He was with his dog, I think, at the All Star game, and they the reporters asked him what his name was dog, and he refused to reveal. Like he's, he's,
0: well, there is a culture in Japan with the ballplayers that they are revered; they can do no wrong. You don't ask intrusive questions. I remember seeing this with Ichiro when he was coming around. I would like to get to know Otani though. As much or more as we got to know Ichiro. We finally got to know more about Ichiro in the latter years of his career. If this is a player that is English as a first language, mm-hmm.
1: is it a, a billion-dollar deal? Oh, wow. Because you, you, well, like a except, guy that you can except, trot out.
0: Except for he brings a whole country with him. Right. There's that, of- I suppose.
1: Yeah. More, mm-hmm. more eyeballs now.
0: Uh, let's go to- uh, yeah, Let's move on to Frankie Corrado here. Okay, there's the one there, yeah. yeah. Skoll91, the Kings are a wagon, and it's impressive how good Dowdy and Kopitar still are. Part of their last era of cup contenders, went through a rebuild, still with them for their next window of cup contention here, and playing at a real high level. They'll be one of the final four this year. They finally lost on the road. They picked up a point Saturday in Montreal, then lost in regulation on Sunday.
1: But... You, you have to think. They've been nibbling on the fringes. They've run up against McDavid. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple I th- times here. I think they probably Better are team due for this a Final year. Four. Yep. Yeah. Finally, let's end on the skate talk. Mm-hmm. After Rob Williams opened up that can of worms. A black jersey with blue, green, and white trim and an away jersey in white with a black, blue, green trim, both with the skate logo in those colors and a mixture of both generations would be the ultimate. Maybe the neckline collar is a v. And people have mocked this up before—the skate jersey, but in the current colors, it hits different. Like it, yeah. and, and not in a good way. I mean, like it's fine, but no. The people—the the reason people like the black skate jersey is the color combo of the black, red, and orange. It's just a strong color yeah. combo.
0: The Canucks hinted at a new helmet with a social media post over the weekend. Blue. Chrome. Grady, do we just do we blue? Chrome. That's what. Yeah, people have already uh, taken
1: the picture. It's so it's so simple nowadays. You can take that picture. Pump up the brightness on it. And you can see the picture. It's a blue oh, chrome okay. It's a blue
0: chrome helmet. Yeah. Gordon, I didn't like the clumsy corporate change to the Orca Bay logo when they tossed the skate aside the first time. I was disappointed when they didn't drop the Orca Bay logo after the new ownership took over. The Orca Sprite jersey is probably the most cursed version of it. I'm happy to see the return of the skate. Robert, blue and green are the Canucks colors. The alternates are nice ones once in a while, but Vancouver's green and blue, not black. No? Besides... They're the only team in the league with that particular green, and it simply looks sharp. The logo is another story that I won't even get into. I have long said I like the color scheme here. I like the fact that it ties into our community. Um, good point by Robert in terms of how many teams are using green in the NHL. Yeah, not cute. a lot.
1: Wild and Stars come to mind. But
0: <laughs> but yeah. not that no. shade of green in particular. I don't have a problem with Orca. I know a lot of people dislike Orca. People have an emotional attachment to Stick and Rink, so be it. It's the original logo. I look at Stick and Rink and I look and I think that's like an 8 bit Atari graphic. We can do better. And then there is Wide Aren't the Stanchion. Announcing my feud with Sikaris and Price for having robbed the hockey guy on to talk about the black skate jersey instead of me. I wish it hadn't come to this. Oh. You bring it, Stanchion. Because you know what I got waiting for you? A metal chair underneath the ring apron. Manager Grady has stored it there. You'll never look. You'll never think to look. Blake will distract you in the corner, and I'm coming for you with the chair shot across the back of neck. Bah,
2: God. That's if I don't get you first and go full heel mode on you, Matt. Wow. On me? Yes. You're on
0: our team. You're our manager. Canucks
2: Convo, Canucks Army.
0: You're on our team. You're our manager. He's going to have to
2: choose. Yeah. The decision. Hold on. Next (laughs) AEW event. Are are you going to betray me? There there is always a betrayal storyline. That could be it. You aren't my boss anymore, Sakaris.
0: Can we hear the pallbearer?
2: Oh, yes.
0: Secure some price from Wall Center. You can presentation upload auto group. You can text us seven seven eight four zero two ninety six eighty. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Well, when last we left you Friday, Shohei Otani was on a plane to Toronto. Kikuchi had reserved the entire top floor of a fancy sushi restaurant. And journalists were speeding out to the airport to get that first footage of the great Japanese star stepping off the plane to sign with the Toronto Blue Jays, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this was... You know, not just wild internet speculation. John Paul Morosi, established, respected MLB insider, said he was told Otani was traveling to Toronto on Friday. Bob Nightingale on the other side of the fence, mm. trying to
2: slow the roll of everybody.
0: Others were too.
2: Well, Shai Davide was saying it was all fans going crazy right. on social media while his own network retweeted that Morosi report. Right. In fact, there
0: was even a Reddit comment being looked into. A Japanese fan of Otani mentioned that after the game in Toronto this year, Otani went back out to the mound at Rogers Centre and inspected it. And then in his post-game comments specified how much he liked the mound. And the fan said, I remember that because he usually doesn't get that specific in his post-game comments about anything. But he specifically praised the mound. Wow. And we're sitting there going, Whoa, this groundskeeper's about to get a race. Morosi would later... Modifies the report saying, as close as it could have gotten, like holding an 8-1 lead in the sixth inning of a playoff game. Wow. (laughs) little shade there. I mean, and then there was Dodger Nation. And their reporter, J.P. Hoonstra, who said, this is not a drill, been told he is signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. Dodger Nation amended their report saying that on Friday – 700 million from the Dodgers was not on the table. The bid was upped by as much as $100 million.
1: That's what it felt like, too. It felt like all the reporting was that it was 600 million. And with that, maybe the Jays had won it. But did the Dodgers just come in and pour, put more coal on the pyre and all of a sudden they win the sweepstakes? It, it may be as simple as that. Which brings us
0: to the conspiracy theory, yes. Blake that the agent, Campotani orchestrated a proceeding to try and make the Dodgers believe he was on a flight to Toronto and to get them to up their offer at the 11th hour because he just wanted to stay in Los Angeles. There is even a Robert Herjavec tie-in here. Oh, the Canadian businessman and Dragon's Den shark tank panelist. He was sent? Is represented by CAA, the same agency that reps Oton. As people were saying, how did Herjavec not comment on this? He knew it was his plane. He's a Toronto guy. But he did comment on it as soon as he landed. He tweeted about it. Why didn't he clarify, though, Blake? Clarify what? That it wasn't Otani on the plane. It was him. He did? What do you mean? As soon as he landed, he realized No, right no, no, no but happening. in the midst.
2: On the plane? You sure it's a Wi-Fi-enabled oh, plane? it he's
0: got Wi-Fi. You've got a private jet. It's Wi-Fi.
2: And the original tweet that was sent out about this plane flying to Toronto was from an account that had tweeted for the first time in like 10 years or something. Mm-hmm. And the one tweet before that was a bunch of like sports law, so people were drawing... Conclusions that it was like CAA. To be fair, doing this. correct.
1: CAA is uh, being represented by CAA is like saying I don't know. Uh, I'm Canadian. Do I know some guy that lives in St. John's? It's it's a very big agency, agency with but so many. You know, prongs. it's
0: quite possible there are synergies that the you know lawyers who represent Herjavec also know the lawyers who represent well. In the company directory the firm. It's
1: easy to find them. That's right. for Sure.
0: Shout out to CBC photographer Evan Mitsui who was. On the ground, they're actually getting the evidence on a day of it was speculation, yes. yes. Yeah. yes. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet reported the Blue Jays' offer was, quote, right there and suggested the final bid was upwards of $600 million. Atkins and a representative of Otani would not comment on that. John Heyman, baseball insider... Word from one Otani finalist, quote, we certainly weren't at $699 million. Yeah. And now, Blake, the pivot. As Heyman points out, Yankees very wise to do that Juan Soto deal last week. That could well have been plan B for the Toronto Blue Jays and Juan Soto is off the table. They continue to look for a left-handed power hitter
1: is it weird that with this contract the Los Angeles Dodgers could have chosen to pay every single living American citizen a million dollars and still had 350
0: million million, uh, Americans yes pay them each two dollars
2: Math ain't checking out there. Uh, this was a skit online that people. I saw this. There was a thread about this online. It was. Uh, I'm forgetting the guy. I would have put it in Warren the Warren Sharp yes. football guy.
0: My mom called me Saturday night. Your dad is stupefied. Your dad can't believe that Otani got seven hundred billion dollars. I'm like, well, there's good reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, who told him seven hundred billion? She said, well, I did.
1: I said well, you missed a zero there. Well, good thing errors and emissions is right up next. Mm-hmm.
0: Producer Drew Livingstone of the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. When McDavid chooses L.A. over Toronto in three years, it's going to be hilarious. Connor, here, what could happen? Connor to complete the hat trick of spurning Toronto, Kawhi, Otani, McDavid, but also you, you spent the
1: first decade of your professional career in Edmonton. What's what's the mm. opposite of that? It's L.A.
0: Gretzky's already done it. Yeah. And then non otani baseball news. Maple Ridge's Tyler O'Neill is off to a new destination. The Cardinals sending him to the Boston Red Sox for a pair of relievers. So much like James Paxton and Ryan Dempster and Jason Bay, another British Columbian here playing for the Red Sox. Played Nick, Nick Pavetta, who's there right now, Victoria. Storied franchise, Absolutely, too. and a chance for him to make a number of appearances on Canadian soil. I don't remember Demp as a Red Madrid. Sox, really? Yeah, won a World Series there with him. Really? Of course, more known for his time with the Cubs, yeah. the Marlins, yeah. but, yep, got to Boston. And, and so Tyler O'Neill's going to get a chance to uh play in front So who do the
1: Jays fans. bring in as the, I mean,
0: is it, Well, Jorge Soler, Cody Bellinger. So Bellinger would be the rich free agent. I would not touch him. Jorge Soler is, hey, there's even talk about just bringing Matt Chapman back at third base, although he's not a left-handed hitter. Jeff Blair reporting a lot of teams are suffering financially because of these regional television collapses. Yeah. Teams like the White Sox, Colorado may well be looking to move players couple interesting guys in Cleveland, Jose Ramirez and Canadian Josh Naylor. Alex Bregman, although the Astros say they are not trading him. You wonder if under new ownership now with the owner having died a few weeks ago, if the Padres are going to liquidate further than Soto. If so, Machado, Tatis, interesting players. Luis Robert and But those
1: are trades. Those are trades, rather than Pittsburgh.
0: Brian Reynolds. They're always looking to uh, cash in, get cheaper, younger. The amazing thing with with Shohei is he didn't have to give up anything other than money to get him. And Blake, then there's Mike Trout. Again, not a left handed hitter, but you now know the Angels. You're not getting Otani back. So what happens with Mike Trout? I would suspect that Mike Trout is still such a day to day drawing card there at the stadium that the Angels aren't going to be particularly anxious to move him just because he means so much to them commercially. I'm sure, I mean, the salary is enormous. And that's the uh, magnitude of this Otani deal, Blake. I mean, it's more than one and a half times what the next biggest contract in the sport was.
1: But he's the only player in the world that that hits you 40 home runs and wins you 20 games, potentially, you know? Like, so you know he deserves it um Trout is in charge he's a living hall of famer mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so yes.
0: it's it's you know like whatever he wants to do is what's going to happen poll question results from Friday we asked you who has been the most pleasant surprise this season more than 1500 votes the options were Casey DeSmith Nils Hoglander Sam Lafferty who won the poll um uh, Hoaglander. yes percentage uh 45. Very good. Right on the number. DeSmith with 29%. Lafferty with 24%. 2% voted other. A lot of write-in for Brock Besser. Dave, the guy who leads the NHL in goals, who's being shopped or potentially had a trade request, all due respect to the three others. But, damn, this is an easy choice. Chris, Hoaglander is living up to previous expectations that he lost last year. Lafferty has basically found money. I know he cost a low pick. But I see him in the same light as a waiver wire pickup. Mm-hmm. To be this productive is fantastic. Hockey rules one. We knew Ho- Hoaglander was upcoming and had a good season of the minors last year, but who knew about DeSmith being this good? There was also some right in love for the Quinn Hughes-Philip Ronick pairing, for Ray Ferraro, <laughs> and for Dom LeCision. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, um, Nils Hoglander. I mean...
0: Really? Was there expectation this season?
1: I didn't have expectation for Niels Hoeglander
0: this season. No, he wasn't even called up late last year.
2: He was healthy scratched at the end of preseason. The expectation was to show that you're an NHL player. Right. Yeah. And he's done more than that.
1: He succeeded. And and, and I'll say this about Casey DeSmith. Outside of last year, which was a step back, he's exactly where he's been all his... His entire career, his previous seasons to last year, 11 6, and five with a nine fourteen, eleven and seven with a nine twelve, fifteen eleven and five with a nine sixteen save uh, percent. I mean, this is Casey to Smith. He, he's not really surprising.
2: I think it's relative to what the Canucks haven't had in their backup for the last few years. Right, he's Martin being compared to
1: he's being compared to Canucks backups yes. as opposed well, to himself. But he was
0: coming off a bad year too. I
2: voted to yeah. Smith.
0: Right. But
1: as per my point, last year is the outlier year in his entire career. Mm -hmm. So Casey Smith is just being Casey Smith, really.
0: Time now for Erison omissions. I have a couple from Friday and beyond. Uh, J. Pat, when discussing Connor Garland, saying he's bumping up against Christmas, he had eight games left before Christmas, he's got seven now. We're a little close to be bumping up against Christmas when you got that many You're taking games. issue with the phrase bumping yes. up? Yes. I know Jeff is anxious and likes signposts, loves him some Christmas de- decorations. Well, you got seven no. or eight games before Christmas. You're not bumping up. I disagree. Te- December 10th on, that's bumped up. Well, I said it on the 9th.
1: <laughs> Actually, the 8th. So there you go. But it was a weekend. Speaking you have a tenth of the
0: season left before
1: Christmas. That's not bumping up. Do you see Christmas around you right now? Literally, right? I'm looking
0: at you right now. There's Christmas decorations. Actually, right you. Um, well, we got to hang up Lydia's bunting. Lydia and Bern to be uh, the LEDs green and and red right yeah, now. I don't see anything in the lower lobby level here. <clears throat> we'll talk. To Disappointingly, Peter Wall about that. and then additional designated players in MLS. The Kamish, Don Garber throwing cold water on that, yeah. saying we are not considering a fourth DP. We had read a couple of reports on that. There was supposed to be a vote on this for the governor, so it sounds like in Bettman-esque fashion, the governor said no, and then Garber came out and blamed it on media hysteria. I mean, he got booed presenting the MLS Cup. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a real
1: Bettman tie
0: here. Oh, he's, yeah. He's, oh, very he's much. going full Bettman. No, he's an obnoxious New Yorker like Gary. <laughs> it's true. So, a quick Don Garber story here. Mm. He comes into our old building at 1040. We're doing a sit-down, long-form interview with him. He comes into our prep lounge with his media handler. We exchange pleasantries, blah, blah, blah. I believe it was around this time of year, too. Could be mistaken. Anyways, it's raining outside. And apparently it had been raining the entire time for Commissioner Garber's visit here to Vancouver. He looks out the window, and he says, ah, more gray, more rain. Does it ever stop around here? We go, well, yeah, occasionally, but, you know, it's a bad time of year. And he just says, dead pants, ah, I could never. Meaning live here. Mm-hmm. We're like, all right. Teach our own dog. Didn't he tweet about our weather
1: recently, too, with a picture outside of his, um, Hotel room. He of, might I have of, a rain-drenched seagull. Doesn't that ring a bell? He he, he's obsessed with the rain.
2: Yeah, not a Anything, rain. Not a mutter. Not, no. <laughs> Anything from your end, Grady? Well, you're talking about dates in December, and I had the wrong date on Thursday's show graphic. Hmm. Said it was December 6. It was in fact December 7th. Ah. Dates are hard.
0: So is mm-hmm. math. Yes. <laughs> On to the betway bets of the day. Alfonso Davies and Bayern Munich in Champions League Tuesday against a slumping Man U side. Blake, remember we said last week, the week before, hey, where's Man U? Like, when are they ever going to get back to greatness? Mm-hmm. How about losing 3 0 at home to Bournemouth on Saturday? Yeah, pretty terrible. You lose 3-0 at Old Trafford to a and mid-table would be giving Bournemouth credit. 14th in the EPL. But Bayern, they're a second-place team. Here. Oh, my God. How dare they? Second place. Wow. I'm taking them to beat Man U, plus 230 on your Betway bet of the day. Going to the
1: uh, Thursday nighter, um, the high-flying Las Vegas Raiders are uh, are there. I, I'm going to take the under, believe it or not. Um,
0: you think? Yeah. I'm going to take the under here. Raiders in score point, and Chargers barely scored, not to mention barely scored the week before against New England. Now I know betting
1: on the under. What's people. the under there? Thirty-three and a half. Oof. I know people might be a little bit gun shy because
0: if Army, and New England, and if
1: Army and Navy can beat uh, beat the uh, the under, then
0: with a conceded safety on the final play, you may have noticed, <laughs> yes, yes. which was the proper play by 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 yeah, football sure. strategy. Take the safety and the game. Um, but I'm still going the under buck ninety on your betway bets of the day. Must be 19 plus to play. Please play responsibly. Thanks for listening, everybody. Reminder: subscribe to us, Rinkwide, and Connect to Conversation wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social: that's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.